podcast with Steve Mathis. Welcome to the Pulp MX Pro Circuit Pulpcast. Thanks to the guys at Pro Circuit for uh, sponsoring this thing, and uh, we thought we'd put this on Pulp MX. It's a little special edition podcast. Um, here we are in the uh, lion's den of the Pulp MX studios, and uh, I'm your host, Steve Mathis, as usual, and on this uh, Pro Circuit Pulp MX uh, Pulpcast is a little short little deal uh, with um, a guy that uh, hasn't been on, on a whole lot of the things that I do, and... Uh, but he knows me well. It's my brother, Jason Mathis. Thanks, Jay. Hey, good day, eh? <laughs> yeah. Try not to, to be too Canadian. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on and doing this. You're down here in Vegas uh, doing a little bit of dog sitting. Yes, I am. Um, while we're gone, so I thank you for that. And uh, good luck with the three killer bassets. Yes, there'll be lots of walking and picking up poo and uh, all that exciting stuff in the lion's den. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, I guess before we get started, I mean – to talk a little bit about what you're doing now, you uh, you got two bikes. You have a 1981 YZ250 and a uh, 2011 KXF 250F. Yep, yep. And for some weird reason, you seem to ride the vintage bike a lot more. You really like your vintage bike, even though it breaks and then it breaks again. It, yep. It, it just breaks. It, the constant maintenance. Uh, Why do you like the vintage bike better than the KXF? The Kawasaki is totally amazing. It's a great bike. I mean, it starts every time. It runs. There's never any problems, but that kind of makes it boring to me. They're just, it's yeah, a perfect bike. Who wants a bike that runs great and starts all the time? I agree. <laughs> Terrible. Not me. So I, I own an 81 YZ250, which I've had for, I think, this is the fourth year going on now, and I've been doing vintage racing with it, and it's been stripped down and powder-coated and rebuilt numerous times, and... Uh, even with the extreme amount of maintenance I put in it, uh, when I race it, I go as hard as I can, and something always, there's always something right. to do on it, you know. Which I don't mind, you know. The, the tinkering is uh, is part of the fun of uh, vintage motocross and uh, trying to uh, set the bike up just the way you like it, you know. Um, just just stick with the KXF. I, I don't understand. Uh, it, it boggles my mind. If I was to sell either of those bikes, that Kawasaki's gone. It's gone. What is it about the vintage bike racing? Uh, it's just, you know, fun with guys my own age and uh, with the same interest. And uh, to be honest, the bike is fast as all stink. I've done a ton of mods to it. I've got, you know, a modern key and carb on it. And it's ported. And I've decked the cylinder. Um, exhaust. The, and sound. You, I've done yeah, everything yeah, to this bike. And yeah. it's just every year I do something to it. And I tinker with it a bit more, and it gets just – I enjoy it every 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 year more and more. And um, there's more and more of you kooks – I mean people <laughs> out there uh, in Manitoba where, where you live. Uh, we born and raised – we're both of us in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and you're still there. And uh, you guys have a little bit of a vintage following going on. You're building it slowly. Yeah, we have a club that we started three years ago called MOTMX, which stands for Manitoba Old Timers Motocross. And uh, – a lot of us laugh about that because, I mean, it's for guys over 30. So, unfortunately, in our sport of motocross, if you're over 30, you're called an old, old-timer. Yeah. It's uh, sort of discouraging. But, hey, uh, yeah, we got a bunch of guys. We probably have 
and close to 100 members and we did seven or eight races this year and uh we run vintage classes and we run plus 30 and 40 um groups as well as a b and c along with those age divisions and uh so you never race the kxf in these not once only i never vintage. have only yeah i've only bring the you old know, bike and a I'm, few times you've told me about you race your vintage bike against the modern bikes in different age classes for and you you're one of those guys you you love to beat the guys on the modern bikes you love it oh that's that's sweet yeah i did that a few times this year and last year just to, to mix it up a bit and there's nothing like uh ride my 81 yz and beating guys on ryan dungy special edition ktms and Sierra right. 450. Right. It's just I don't know. There's a real rush in, in doing something like that, you know. And I, you know, and riding a vintage bike against modern bikes is always a win-win situation. Because if I don't beat anyone, they all say, "Ah, oh, because that bike's a piece of crap." They don't right. expect me to do it. Right. Then if I do, amazing. So, so How do you do it on an old the piece bike's of bike? The bike's a form of self-esteem. The bike's a form of self-esteem. You can do nothing a, but feel good on that it's old a, bike. Uh, it's a Anthony Robbins book. Yeah, it's the power within. Yeah, awaken the giant right. within by riding vintage. Do you think the guys on the modern bikes like to hear you crow about how you beat them on your piece of crap eighty one? Oh, we all laugh about it. Oh yeah, and that's a great thing. Nobody cares. I when I race like against care. the modern bike, I don't even check to see what place I finish in. It's just it's always a gas riding with with my buddies and old bike, new bike. Um, well, how many how many dollars? And your wife's probably not going to listen to this. How many dollars have you spent <laughs> on that eighteen eighty one bike? Oh, it's probably about three grand into it, which is sounds like a lot for an eighty one. But compared to a modern bike, it's very inexpensive. Um, I mean, the bike's gone through head to toe. You know, I've got different got race tech suspension, front and rear, and heavier springs, and of course the motor, like I said, and plastic and seat and seat foam and bars and clamps and. All there's, the bars and cables, and it adds up. You and know? there's all these weirdo websites you go to that specialize in vintage stuff. Yep. Yeah, there's certain guys, like a guy called Extreme Vintage YZ. He's very knowledgeable with, with right. this stuff. And uh, VintageMX.us I go and, to. And according to you, one time I think you told me, if you're going to get some vintage bikes, the 81YZ line is very good. I think it is. Yeah, I mean, what we do in Manitoba, I think, is is small compared to maybe what they do in California and such. But uh, I think it seems to be like an 81 YZ250 or YZ465 is mm-hmm. pretty ta- pretty good bike to ride. And an 83 CR480 would be one of the other best bikes to get. Because most of, well, the rules we follow in our club is air-cooled drum brakes. Right. So you could ultimately, I guess, go up to an 84 YZ490 if you're looking in that direction. But those were, weren't good bikes back then even. The question I have for you is... Um, so you raced, you know, from age six or seven or whatever to uh, eleven. Eleven. Yeah. So I was eight when you started racing. Yep. Jeez, I seem to be thought I was younger. Okay. No, you didn't start. You started earlier than eleven. Nineteen eighty-two, racing. No, I started in eighty-two. I'm eighty-two RM eighty RM fifty. My so first that's race. My old bike. That you yeah. didn't. You didn't race then. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Absolutely, I raced Austin. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I raced that bike. You never came to one race in 1982. Nope. Not true. Yeah. <laughs> That's my first year. I had 82 you, YZ80. Yes. Water cool. With the, with the, with the radiator on the, on the, bar, yeah, on the my, handlebars. My first year. Okay. Never mind. We'll get to that in a second. But This, is, this so is going as planned already you with raced, us arguing. You raced from age nine. <laughs> you did. 
until uh, until uh, what? Seventeen. I raced from twelve to seventeen. Yeah. Okay, nine to seventeen. Yeah. Then you didn't have a bike for probably ten years. Oh, I ra- I bought a. Remember, I bought a ninety four KX two fifty in ninety five. In ninety five, so you you stopped so in like eighty one year. Something like eighty seven. So ninety five, you got a bike yeah. again. Then you sold that quickly. Then you got into riding. I think in another, we would have been around two thousand, somewhere around there. Did you buy? Did you ride an older bike or something around then? I think in eighty nine, I bought an eighty five CR one twenty five to fool around on. Here's my here's my point. Seems like you're going through it every six or seven year process. Oh, yeah, I hadn't had a bike for ten more than ten years. This last time. Yeah. So now you've got these bikes. Yeah, yeah. Now are you set? Are you into this, or are you going to give it all up? No, no, I love it. I, you know, the vintage motocross is great on the YZ, and I do uh, enduro racing, woods racing. Yeah. On the Kawasaki, I got the Bark Busters on there, and that's something that uh, I'd never done in my life, and uh, it's very challenging. Um, I have a lot of respect for these guys now. I mean, yeah. doing 11, 12 minutes on a on a motocross track is tough, but doing an hour in the trees. With your heart rate up and uh, trying to be competitive, man, that's yeah. that's oh. killer too. See that plaque on the wall over there, right? Yeah. GNCC. Yeah. You've done it. I know. Did two or three of them. Did you? They're gnarly. Oh, yeah. yeah I, absolutely. Um, so you're thinking this is not going to be another one of your phases. You're you're not going to get sink all this money into vintage bikes <laughs> and then be, out of, be over it. Like, who knows? Who knows what the future holds? But for now, no, I like that YZ. Um it's a great bike. I'd love to spend more money on it. I'd like to put rims on it and different Jesus. hubs. And you're, uh, you're drunk. What else could I do? Um, <laughs> you and your buddy Mike were, were. You guys both went in on these bikes, the 465 and the 250. Yeah, yeah. Why did you choose the 250 and he the 465, or why didn't you keep the 465? Well, it's my old buddy Mike Bodger and I. We met in 1983 at uh, yeah. Nobody, ca- nobody cares about that. Just... Well, maybe Mike's last name. Okay. So you asked me to do it. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, we I for some reason found an old YZ465 online for 400 bucks in 09, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we just put that thing together as a project, something to do on Saturdays and to just have some fun and slowly rebuild it. And uh I did one race with it in 09 and uh after that I kind of got together with him. I said, "I don't know if I feel like sharing this bike. I want to get back into this again." So Mm. He liked the 465, and I found a 250, so we split it down the middle, cost. You guys really need to find a 125 now. He has one. Oh, he does? Yes. He so has. now you need to find an YZ80, and you'll have a complete line of Yamaha. Well, he has a YZ100 as well. From that year? From 80. Well, they, they made him around it was then. 80, yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah. 1980, yeah. So Mike's had all. Yeah, no, like I have one old bike. Mike's had. Right. He had two YZ465s this year. Who's got as the well. nicest vintage bike in Manitoba? Uh, if you're Olaf, my buddy Olaf Rome, he has a... Is that the guy in the overalls? No, no, okay. no. Um, There's a guy that came down with Lawrence and Mark and racing overalls. Yeah, Vern. Vern Peters. Oh. He rides for okay. our... He doesn't ride vintage. He rides newer bikes. Okay, so anyways, yeah, yeah. Olaf's got what? Olaf has a Can-Am, uh, 2013 CR450. No, He's got bikes. 81 Nicest. YZ250 and 81 YZ465. And are, they're nicer than yours? Yeah, oh, they're show condition. They're They're gorgeous. So you look at that those bikes and you just drool. That's you're just like, oh, oh man, I wish I had Olaf's bikes. Nah, I like oh. my bike. Okay, but yeah. his bikes are great. Right. I mean, I do. You uh, even went so far as to get a local motor builder guy. Yeah. To put boost ports into your cylinder. Oh, a lot of. Uh, 
a lot of hours spent on the internet figuring out what boysen ports are. You know, boysen ports being the little holes in your uh, intake tract where your reed cage goes that... Uh, Little like tunnels off to the side. Off to the side. Yamaha never put them in their bikes until 1994, I believe. And at that point, they put one in. Uh -huh. Because anytime you put a Boyson port in a bike, the manufacturer had to pay, pay a royalty to Evan Boyson. So even though they worked and in the 70s, they were patented by him. They yeah. were put in, in bikes, you know. But uh, my local engine builder, Les Barton, and I discussed this. And he, he does lots of vintage bikes, modern bikes, snowmobile racing, and... He's built Formula 3 cars, like uh, road racing cars. And, uh, yeah, we put them in last year and uh, made the bike for a really peaky, hard-to-ride, high-RPM bike, more of like a YZ-175 feeling that bike always had to, like, a torque monster wheeling every gear. My buddies that ride it now almost say it's too fast, which is Loose ports. It's exactly what you want as a bike that your friends say are too fast. Loose ports. Boost ports, Moto yeah. Tasnari intake, keen carb. It's all, um, it's all fun. Uh, hey, um, so you ever plan to like get more involved in this vintage stuff and travel a little bit to these races or anything? Or, or is... yeah, I think so. We have uh, our club has a lot of guys that uh, love to travel to uh, throughout Canada, and we have a lot of guys coming to the World Vet in uh, November. Is it? Yeah, Glen Helen. We probably have. Six to twelve guys from our province coming down to ride. Oh yeah, and uh, you know I, I'm not ready to travel yet. I haven't put the time into. Uh, I don't have time to practice during the week. So right. when I ride my bike is at the races often. You know uh, every couple Fantastic weeks. Fantastic so for I've, the arm pump. Nothing but arm pump. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And oh. uh, <laughs> so at this point, I I don't think it's worthwhile traveling for me. I'm not in good enough shape. But uh, right. um, these days. hey, uh, you are actually the at the forefront of the Mathis family trying to be a mechanic. Mm -hmm. You started that. Well, I, no, I was on the road too. Exact same time. You were on the road when I was on the road. You worked for a road race team. Yes. Hooters road race team, and it went terrible. You hated yeah. it. <laughs> One buddy, the... Somebody you met, we met him in BC, right? Yeah, yeah in Duncan National. In the Duncan National. You somehow hooked, kicked it off with this guy. Yeah. And he's a road racer, and... and Anyway, you tell the story a little bit. Well, I think you and I met uh, met a guy in uh, Duncan at the Canadian Amateur Nationals, and him and I became buddies. And then in 80, 1989, I, I drove down to uh, California from Winnipeg with a 66 GMC pickup truck and an 87 CR in right. the back to California and did some riding around there and hung out at his place for a few months. Which I've told this story. Yes, because on the way back... You were supposed to be riding and in tip-top shape yeah. and ready to race. Yeah. And we met you in Calgary and Edmonton. Yeah. And you uh, raced the first night and, and you sucked. gave it up. And well, you and Dad got into a huge fight. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Dad made me race the and next that, night. That's the Jim Hawley story and Ross Pedersen story comes out of that. I'm 16. I'm 15. I'm on a 250 for my very first time. Remember I had to go to the National Anthem, National Anthem with my helmet on? Yeah, I was standing right behind you on the gate and laughing my head off. And it was <laughs> pretty I what, funny. I don't, I don't know what Dad was thinking, making me race, but I guess. I was thinking making me race because my head was not in the game. But uh, I mean, uh, yeah, and so then I drew the number one clothespin. I had to start with Ross and Holly on each side of me. Or Our heroes. The gate. Yeah, and I was just shitting my pants. But I did beat some dudes. You did. For the record, I beat no, some dudes. I know. I remember that. You beat a couple guys that night, and uh, <laughs> better. I didn't even show up, so that was good. Uh, so, okay, so yeah. th so you, you go down to California in 89. 
right? Right around. Turned into, yeah. you know, I did a race or two. and uh, You went to 89 Anaheim. That, that was actually, yeah, that's probably the highlight of the trip. Uh, the, the guy I was very hanging jealous. out with. I remember we yeah. talked on the phone that night, and there was no internet back yeah. then, no, no nothing. I called you, yeah. You called to be like, Rick Johnson won, and it was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was in a town called Santa Rosa, California, and the guy I was staying with was friends with Craig Schultz, uh, the son of Charles Schultz, who drew Snoopy. No money at all, probably. The guy no back money. in 89 <laughs> went to his track, full-on watering system, sprinklers in the ground for his motocross track in the hills. Right. And uh, I ended up snagging a seat on the Learjet and we Learjetted it down to right. Santa Rosa to Anaheim. For a kid from Winnipeg, you're like, oh my god, right. like, yeah. So that was bucks up, and I remember that was the first pro race I'd ever been to. Right. You know, and you walk in the pits. Well, we went to the Calgary Supercrosses in Winnipeg. Yeah, right? that's Arena right. And, and stuff, yeah, but, yeah, Bob Hanna was one of right. those. But but this was this was yeah all of your heroes from you know yeah. motocross action right coming to life in front a of you. A gnarly track too, and 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 O'Mara led broke and his bike broke. Oh, yeah. There's Johnny O on his 89 RM250 leading the race, and he snaps his triple clamps off his bike. Yeah. You know, on a triple, and it's just heartbreak. He would have won that race. Yeah, I think he would have. You know, there's yeah. 72,000 people there. And you're a kid from Winnipeg on a, who flew down on a private jet. Yeah, then we watch the race, get in a van, drive to the airport, and fly back. Oh, that night jet. you did? The same night. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bucks up, man. Like, right. I, don't know who, I have no idea who these other guys were. I'd never, I knew oh, the one guy. Oh, was there a bunch of you? Oh. There's, I think, maybe 11 people fit on that jet. It oh, was wow. pretty big, yeah. yeah. That's all that. Was a guy dressed in Snoopy, Snoopy driving it? He had <laughs> Sponsored a, by. He had a big <laughs> Snoopy or Charlie Brown was flying it? Well, the guy had a pretty, like, Charles Schultz seemed to have a big influence on his town in Santa Rosa. I mean, they had a hockey rink there that was full-on sponsored by Snoopy. Like the and whole remember, hockey Snoopy had a motocross. Snoopy was into motocross because his that's kids were. That's why. Exactly. Right. If guy, people don't know that, and I wouldn't know that without this experience, was that's because his kid was into dirt bikes. Right. And he was on the cover of Racer X, too. They, they put Snoopy on the cover of Racer X one time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was into moto. So. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so, yeah, so you, you do that, and you hook up with that guy. You come up, you come back to Canada, failed racing career i raced for you the second night <laughs> yeah, yeah but years later you're still in touch with him and he yeah. says hey come be a mechanic yeah in about mid 90s i guess we stayed in touch and he contacted me and he was a uh um name is james randolph and he was a uh kind of a private top privateer racer back in the day but these were the days of super bike racing mm -hmm. in the states with hundred thousand dollar works bikes with miguel duhamel and uh yeah, I can't think right. of any other guys, to be honest. I'm not a road racer. You and I never went to road races. I knew nothing, no. but I knew I was, he called me up and asked if I wanted to be a mechanic, and I was working a job that I didn't enjoy too much, so I took a leave. What of were you doing? I was working for Brinks oh, at Brinks, the time, yeah. and uh, so I jumped at the chance, so I took a, a bus from Winnipeg to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, met him at Road America. Road America? I think it's called Road America. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. It's, in I Wisconsin. Think it's Wisconsin. Yeah. 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 Yep. And I started putting stickers on, on the bikes. And I. So here I am working on a GSXR 750, and I had Not, no yeah, I, right. zero idea <laughs> what was going on. Like just throwing right to the wolves. And luckily we had a motor guy and a suspension guy, and I was kind of the parts changer guy yeah. that would roll the tires over the Dunlop or actually yeah. we were on Pirelli's. We were the only team on Pirelli's. I remember okay. that was the one yeah. thing that stood out. And, uh, I did that traveled all the way to the East coast. And how long did you do that for? Oh, like five races. We so were, a month and a half or something or whatever. 
Yeah. 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 You hated it. Maximum too much. Oh, to me, watching road racing was really boring for one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you only saw your riders once every two minutes and they went by at a hundred miles right. an hour. Um, the pay was terrible. The first week I was told I had to work for free. The second week I got paid two hundred dollars. Yeah. The third week I was told I could only order cheese pizza because pepperoni was too expensive. Uh, <laughs> it just got worse and yeah, worse yeah. and worse. I mean, the only thing is all the free weed you could smoke. Yeah. I remember that, which right. I wasn't into that at the time, but it was unbelievable. Um, You're like, hey guys, can you crack off some of that weed money for pepperoni? Y- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Could we put pepperoni on instead of like having weed all the time? Like, I would love that option, but that wasn't presented. So you hated it. We did some neat ro- trail riding on the East Coast somewhere near Boston. We hooked uh-huh. up with a another owner of a team out there and had some fun. But it all came to a head around Brainerd. And you were around Millville maybe at that point. Yeah, so I'd I met con- you there. I contacted you. Well, I called you and told you things were going down. Oh, okay. Did you? I don't remember and, that. Yeah. I remember I met you there. I remember also on my way there, I saw a sign that said Fair Race, Motocross Fair Race tonight. Okay. And I pulled in with Birdwell's box van, and I raced. And I got like third or fourth. I made like 100 bucks. I got raced to the pro class, got like 100 bucks, okay. third or fourth. And then I sold a bunch of Birdwell's gear and tires. <laughs> like after the race, people were like, hey, because I'm, I'm the only guy in a box van, right? Yeah. Like, it was just a local stadium race or whatever. And I had baggy gear. I, the only gear oh. I had was extreme baggy gear. Okay. And I rode Birdwell's KX, and I hope he's not listening to this, but yeah, sold a bunch of his gear and, <laughs> and tires and old plastic, you know, to guys. Yeah, and then bucks. And then I drove to Brainerd to meet okay. you. Yeah, it was quite, a, quite an interesting story. Yeah, like, well, basically you had saved me because I knew this. I couldn't do this anymore. Yeah. I had driven in that truck across country. Then I drove in the rider's truck across country, and I was just mistreated every day. It was just a thankless job. Welcome to just, my life. Welcome to my 11 years of being a mechanic. shit, man. It Maybe was, not that bad. Oh, at, So anyways, at the last race, we're qualifying at Brainerd, and there's no love lost between myself and the rider. And I had learned throughout the the time on the team, I was the fourth mechanic already for, for James. Oh, and yeah. um, I'm sure he's a good guy now. At the time, he wasn't. Um <laughs> So qualifying so, comes and something happens and he says a 12-year-old could do a better job than me. Yeah. I rip off my Team Hooter Suzuki shirt, all the f- buttons, and tell him to go fuck himself <laughs> on qualifying and throw it at his head and proceed to walk away. And that was it? You quit there? Yeah. And I waited the truck and I said, you owe me my money right now. And he tries to apologize to me. I told him, you owe me my money or I'm taking all of your helmets and gear. You decide. Mm-hmm. And he cut me the check for $200, and you were there, and I got in the van I don't remember left. any of that. I don't know if I was standing right there. Yeah, right, but yeah, you were. I was? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, I, I had to make sure I had an out. I had no money. Yeah. And I was, you know, I All didn't right. know anyone. So where'd, where did I take you? We went to Grand Forks, I think, and Mom met us in Grand Forks. Grand Forks or Fargo. No, that sounds familiar. Yeah. We drove in Driving a box van. Driving a box van up to there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, I mean... Yeah, yeah. Once but, you picked me up, I thought, man, why didn't I do the motocross thing? Because this road racing thing just hadn't. Maybe I w- could have put up with all this yeah, bullshit. Yeah. You know, if it had some well, enjoyment to it. At that point, though, I, I'm working for Birdwell. I think I'm making 300 a week. I'm oh, not doing so much better than you. That's 50% more than I was. Good point, yeah. But I am on the hook for all my food and I have uh, pepperoni pizza and stuff. So. Well, maybe. Well, and you uh, see, even you were feeding yourself pepperoni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't even get um, that. 
So yeah, people, yeah, people kind of forget that. So you realize quickly that you're just like, this is dumb. For one, road racing stupid. And for two, I'm getting treated like shit. Like <laughs> it, it was not stupid. But you know, one thing about road, road racing that no, did road, surprise road me was uh, was there was these fantastic facilities. You know, like yeah. um, still there. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean the pits were inc- indoor pits and electrical power and uh, stems and and they. The guys would tell me, "Oh, we got a big race coming. This Loudon, New Hampshire, is an incredible thing. Yeah. You got to come. You, you won't believe it." And I swear to God, every track we went to, and these were the AMA Nationals. If there was a thousand people, there, oh yeah, like no, I know. nobody watched it, watched it ever. <laughs> I, like, it I, was I know. shocking. There was that's that in that time Harley Davidson w- entered into the sport with a factory hand built superbike as well, and Ducati uh-huh. was there, and Suzuki had. What the hell was his name? He, all right. these dudes, man, right, like right. top top Maladin guys, and Matt and Ladd, exactly, yeah, yeah. and like, there's millions of dollars of bikes in the grid, and there's, no, I know, if I, they made twenty grand at the gate, man, that would be an exaggeration. I went to a few, I went to a few too. I never understood it, and went to Fontana, um, a couple times, and Daytona, and Daytona wasn't bad because I mean that's a premier race, but yeah, it's still the same thing. You're just like, wow. I mean, because these facilities are NASCAR thing. They have seventy thousand mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know how it supported no, itself. I don't know either. Um, but 89 Anaheim was pretty cool, though. That's a nice little bucket list thing. Yeah. Just to check off. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe your mechanic experience maybe led you to appreciate my mechanic experience. Oh, for sure. I, I've, I've never been jealous of your job, ever. Not when I was a mechanic. No, well, even no. then, I mean, well, back hey, a couple you, years later, I came to visit you down south. You came south. down FMF Honda. You were, I yeah. tell the story. People maybe think I'm lying, but I, we lived in an office building. Yep, yeah. Yep. I, I remember meeting all the guys and coming to the shop and seeing the FMF shop and hanging out there for the day. And then, okay, well, where do we go sleep? And you said, okay, get in the van. I think we got a place to live. And come in there and it's a house full of Australians or New Zealanders yeah, yeah. and like Mathis there's no room for you there's like 10 guys living in this right. house which the FMF said yeah you can stay here and I'm like okay cool and I go there and they're like no you can't stay here no so now you have to live in a shop and here I am and there's another mechanic with you there Turtle who had nowhere to live either so there's a tire room I slept in a room full of truck tires and Dunlops. I slept in one of the offices I think you slept in an office and I remember the next day we had to go and On we set mattress. up a shower yeah. somewhere and we bought a shower curtain and yeah, soap. Good and, times. Welcome oh to uh, factory Honda Welcome effort. To, yeah, that's what it was. Like it's <laughs> some. Like, it's interesting if you don't get close to the sport. Sometimes it's all uh, looks like Christmas, you know, from the outside. Well, but it's uh, it's it's tough at the bottom. I I tell a lot of people this. Um, I had no address for three or four years. No address. I I literally had three or four gear bags full of clothes, and I would stay with Shane Drew. I stay stay with my friends in Camarillo. I would stay uh, with Birdwell in Oregon, uh, with Fernet in Oregon. Like, I would just until they started getting tired of me, and then I'd move to the next place. And for literally, I had no address. And not a lot of people would do that. And year to year, <laughs> you didn't. I remember talking to you. We always kept in touch, and you'd always wonder, like, if you'd have a job somewhere next yeah, year. It was yeah. always like, yeah, no, was no... I don't know where I'm working next year. Right. It could end at any moment. <laughs> exactly. Like <laughs> it was no. always nine tenths over. That's exactly it. And, and uh, so I, I tell people like, Oh, you want to be, you know, you see the factory mechanic and that's what you want to be. Well, there's before you get to that, yeah. there's a lot of shit jobs and shit pay and, and you have to do things that a lot of people wouldn't do. It's not so. something if, if you're over 30, and semi-responsible, you got a house and a, a, a family, oh, yeah. you just can't do this. You can't. 
go into. No, you have to step right into something good. Yeah, you have to step into something good. It's not going to happen. You got to be. But if you're a young guy, you're in your late teens, early twenties, and you got mechanical aptitude, man. You you came down with Birdwell, and then you came down uh, at FMF Honda. Yep. And you came back down for Nick Way when I worked for Moto Triple X. Yeah, that's a great experience. I was now in an apartment though, so yeah, you had a. Yeah, I was living in an apartment. That, like, yeah, exactly. That's surprising. Up. Yeah, it right. wasn't a tent. Uh, and then I think you came down again to, with Yamaha Ferry, Tim Ferry days. When I was factory Yamaha, didn't you come down? Uh, test track, you talking to Chad? That time? was with Nick. Oh, was that with Nick? Yeah. Okay, that, all right. I went with uh, with Nick to the test track, him and I, in one of his little trucks. And, what did I do? Uh, I wasn't there? I think you were working on one of his other bikes. Oh, okay. So just him and I went to Yamaha and... Uh, we, yeah, I went to the test track, and then we pull up to the, you know, what everybody dreams about, especially probably us guys from Canada. Yeah. Uh, all you know, We drive to the Honda test track is there, and we pass the Cowie track and the Suzuki track, and now I'm we're driving in the gate of the factory Yamaha test track. It's like, right. you know, you can hear the angel singing as you drive up there. Right. And actually, it's just a little gated track. <laughs> there's no, there's beautiful, gorgeous hills and mountains all around it, but you can't ride in any of it. There'd be helicopters chasing you right. within 30 seconds. But so, anyways, we pull in there and Nick unloads his bike and I put on the stand for him. I'm not his mechanic, I'm just hanging out. He's fine yeah. with me, just hanging out. And he's a good guy. And uh, who's there is Chad Reed, Rodrig Thane, and the Mr. Australia. Craig Dack. Craig Dack, that's right. Yeah, and team the, manager. Yeah, 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 yeah. So at the time, I mean, Chad was number 103. Yeah. 103. First year here, yeah. First year there. And so I'm watching everything, and I recognize this Craig Dack guy. I was like, wow, Craig Dack. And I go talk to Craig because I'm excited to meet him. Right. And I don't even know who Chad is, right? right I mean, he have right. no idea yeah. who, because he was not the fastest guy on the track. Right. The fastest guy, hands down, that one particular day was Roderick Thane. I right. mean, if you could to make a guess about future success based on that my day. two hours, yeah, yeah. Roderick Thing was mm-hmm. the next Supercross champ. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, whatever happened to him? Why Why doesn't a guy like that, who's so quick, who has ability, succeed? Yeah, you know, many, 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 many things. Yeah, many different choices, uh, accidents, you know, that kind of stuff. Injuries yeah. add yeah. up. They're all talented as crap. They're yeah. All, they're all talented as shit, you know? Shocking. Um, Yeah, so, okay. So, yeah, so, yeah you've kind of been there the whole been checking in and out of my jobs for mm-hmm. every so often. I've met Tim a few times right. throughout the years. He's a fantastic down-to-earth guy. Yep. Um, his wife is really nice. Um, Nick was cool. You got along good with Nick? Yeah, I think a few times throughout the years while I've been here, I've I've done some massage therapy for some riders throughout mm-hmm. the years. I've had back pain or arm pain. I When you were with KTM, actually, I did some massage for okay. the whole team on that. their forearms, helping them with yeah, the yeah. arm pump, and that was a great experience. You know, and I remember the KTM when you worked there was kind of a uh, just getting there, getting yeah. everything rolling. And yeah. man, I was all, I was like part of the team that day. I set up the canopies and helped unload the I, trailer. And yeah, I don't remember any of this. Yeah, well, well, I do, right? Because yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. that was your gig, and for right. me to kind of uh, you know to be welcomed into that right. team, that's pretty cool. Right. And, you know, like what, a, what a brother I am. Yeah, yeah what, a, what a heart of gold I have. <laughs> Letting I, me set up your canopy. Yeah, that was nice of you. Pro Circuit Racing, based in Corona, California, and founded in 1978 by Mitch Payton, is known for two things, building high-quality horsepower and winning races. The name Pro Circuit is worldwide recognition that you have bought the best, and we strive to get you the very best products for your bike. 
From two strokes to four. Engine porting, suspension, and our top-rated exhaust products. We cover it all. And just one look at teams like Team 2-2 with Chad Reed, Star Racing, Harden Huntington, and of course our own team consisting of Dean Wilson, Martin Davalos, Blake Baggett, Justin Hill, Darren Durham, and Tyler Rattray. We make champions. Visit ProCircuit.com for more info on all the services and products. Pro Circuit. We race. What's the best race you've ever seen? What's the uh, best race you've ever seen? You know, it's a, it's, it's not a pro race. It's, so it's not a race that any, you know, 99% right. of your listeners will will know. But, I mean, it's back when we were kids watching our local pros at Portia Prairie. Oh, okay. Our little local Still heroes. Still the best like, race you've ever saw, huh? Watching Donnie Gill and uh, yeah. Brian Junkie. Who, Owner of Motor World. Yeah. He raced our, our, our local series and... Uh, Mark Medock and these guys all battling. In Those, the... That was the best race you've ever seen. Sorry. I I wouldn't ask that. I, I, I know it's a terrible that. answer. And, well, and, that's uh, okay. I mean, just know, from a, a guy. Letdown. You know, you've been to a bunch of supercrosses and nationals. So, I know. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, I just can't recall anything off the top of my head. When you quit racing, now maybe my memory is not correct, but you, you, you're a one-time Manitoba champion. I'm four-time, by the way. Uh, yeah. Um, no, no. Hey, you know what? That's been... Since the MOTMX has formed, I've won two more championships. Those don't count. That's not it. So it's not, this is three no, times. It doesn't count. Okay, so you, <laughs> 85, you raced uh, Novice, which everybody has to in Canada. We have to, yeah. And then you go to B-Rod, you raced Senior, Intermediate. Yeah. Then you made it to Pro in 87. 86. 86. Halfway through the year, oh, you didn't raise up it? to Expert. Oh, you did? Yeah. So you didn't have a full year in, in B-Rider? No. Nope. B-Class? No. Nope. Why'd you move up? You weren't winning. I just No, but I had enough points. I, I was very oh, okay. consistent, but yeah. So we thought that would be better. And I so, rode a few uh, races in 87. And then, so yeah, or what I was going to say was I don't really remember you racing pro very much. I didn't. No. That that particular year when I was expert, and I don't like the word pro okay. for, for like provincial riding or state riding because to me, pro, the true word means professional. Yeah. And I mean, that's how you make your living and, and pay your bills. And so we don't honestly have, there's no pros, right. you know, like. You're an expert rider is what we call it, and maybe I'm old-fashioned, but that's... Well, nobody uses the term schoolboy anymore either. What's it called now? I'm just saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You said schoolboy. People be like, huh? Yeah, 80s. Um, so, you know, yeah, when right. I tell people about my racing, I'm like, I say C, B, A, D, A, because they're trying to make it appeal to Americans. Mm-hmm. We had novice, schoolboy. No, we had junior, junior senior, senior expert. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so you didn't really race expert very much. Was well, it? Was it... Were you not doing very good, or was it Dad that that was pissed at you? And I had a like I loved racing eighties, and I'm our our eighty A or expert yeah. division. I missed our championship by two points the last year. I, I rode missed it. it by three and eighty, and I had two DNFs while I was leading. So I had that locked right. up all these years later. I, we talk about I missed three by three and eighty eight. Close, yeah. So I could and, have been a five time. And then at that point, when I turned fourteen, fourteen and eighty five. I got two brand new bikes. Then a year after, I got two more brand new bikes. And then when I turned expert, I got three bikes. And it was just too much for a 16-year-old kid to, to so handle. you were 16 when you were expert? Yeah. Okay. And I had a YZ 125, 250, and 490. See, that's why Dad must have kept me in the 80s till I was 16, and I was a monster. Yeah. Because he saw he screwed you I up. I was 99 pounds on a YZ 490. Yeah. And, I, and so he was like, okay, my other son couldn't hack it when he was 16. So I'm going to keep the other one. Until, right. he's, until he's overgrown monster. That's a good plan. 
Yeah, you, I don't, you raced way longer than Well, yeah, I, I don't know did. if it was a good plan or not, but I think that was the different plan, yeah. You had more success, and so you, uh, you kept you, at it. You never really raced expert then. You I raced... I raced probably five or six expert arena crosses. Like I raced Minneapolis arena cross. Right. I, one of my actually one of my highlights was a, a heat race. I finished behind Dean Matson. One of my days, my mind was into it. I rode wonderfully that day. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I did yeah. a bunch I, of far arena crosses and ex, right. expert class, but not not more than even ten races to be honest. Like and yeah. then why'd you quit? Was it just dad stress? Yeah, it was no fun. It, I would just I was. A mess. Because he was yelling at you. Yeah, that was common, unfortunately. But let's say we all learn, right? <laughs> and I'm a parent now, so I, because of those things, I've, I, you know, I, I parent a little differently. Than, than, than Tom. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's all he knew, right? So yeah. Well, would you still be racing? Or not still be racing. Would you have raced a while, though, if it was just the support of dad? Was it a big part of why you quit? You were... Oh, 100%. You guys were definitely getting some fights back then. I mean, I'm three yeah, years younger than you, was, but there was a lot of fights. There's no fights. So then to, to the good that. thing, though, about you quitting is he turned his attention to me. <laughs> and Revenge I got, is sweet. And I got two <laughs> new KX80s. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I got a KX125, and then, uh, you know, I got three brand new 1990 bikes. Mm -hmm. 125, 250, Because you were, you were done by then. I, so. I, once I was done, I uh, sold. I got one bike out of that deal. I had, I think I got a little bit into BMX and then I bought a Yamaha Superjet stand-up. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And I just had freedom. I went to the beach every weekend and uh, just jumped waves and did freestyle. And uh, when there's small craft warnings, they'd called for the lakes. When the winds picked up and the waves were five or six feet, I'd go out there and jump waves all day. And I was just... Uh, Nobody's yelling at you. Pure fun. There's no, there's no checkered flag. No, and that's what kept me out of racing for all these years. And now that I'm... You know, racing old timers, MOTMX stuff, or I've I don't think I've ever ridden with no stress, and I just that's why I have such a great time. Like you it's always, all for me. You always equated dirt bikes with stress. Oh, my see, God. I never felt that way. I didn't. He yelled at me. I think we're just different personalities. Oh, we are. Yeah. Um, because when he yelled at me, and he was a dick sometimes to me, where I'm like, what What are you doing? Like, you know, uh, I got madder. Or I, oh, or I didn't, okay. or I just shuffed, I, I sloughed it off. I'm like, whatever, I'm trying the best I can. No, I take those things to heart. So yeah, I was like, yeah, well this me. guy's an idiot, you know? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he worked his ass off. Yes. He did a lot, um, maybe because he didn't like mom. I don't really know. <laughs> it's probably not good to get into that. No, but I mean, if you look, looking back on it, maybe that's why he worked so much, you know what I mean? I, he, I don't know those uh, reasons. Uh, but yeah, he certainly worked hard at it. But yeah, there was stress for sure. Um, but eventually, you know, I, that's not the reason I quit. I just kept getting hurt. Yeah. You getting, did get injured a oh, lot. I got, I got, but you wrote a lot. I mean, you were the guy I always gave you credit where your skill set when you first started wasn't very high, but you did have dogged determination. I mean, you would wear out two pair of boots in a year. Yeah. I, I wrote a ton. You wrote a ton and you became a really good rider just due to, you were, I don't know how could like. A kind of a Jeff Stanton kind of rider, right? I mean, you just plowed through stuff. Yeah, yeah. Jumping was never that. I was never that good at jumping. I was never, you know, I was never the first guy to jump stuff. I was, whereas you were a pretty good jumper. I love that Back stuff. Back then, yeah. you know, you were you were a guy that wasn't scared to jump stuff. And I was always like, I'm not jumping at first. But if somebody else jumps it, all right, I'm going to mm -hmm. grab my nuts and now I got to jump it, mm -hmm. you know. So mm -hmm. maybe there was some of that. Um, yeah, there was, there was probably, I mean, I used to practice by myself. Okay. I could do half an hour motos by myself, you know, on the bikes. And so yeah, being 16, 17 and saying to your buddies, hey, I can't, 
go and hang out. I got to go do a m- couple of motos by myself in the heat. Yeah. I guess there's something to that. But then, and then <laughs> I can remember I was, you know, often saying, man, what do normal families do on the weekends? Because I had spent so many years, it seemed every weekend was, was motocross racing. You know, like I, there seemed to be nothing outside of dirt bikes. And that's, I wanted something other than that. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I got into having a girlfriend and BMXing and having fun and doing that kind of stuff. And whereas you were able to plow through that a bit more and, and uh, yeah. have some more determination towards your goal, you know. Yeah. And I mean, that, I raced. That's a good thing. Yeah, I raced. I mean, I got hurt a lot, but I did raise expert for two or three years, at a, you know, trying to make it every race. I mean, I got yeah. hurt a bunch, but. You know, yeah, de- definitely went a little longer than you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my last expert race was. I don't a, remember you. Yeah, so you did five or six races. That's well, it. and I remember I, I did a Winnipeg Arena Cross a year after I quit. I borrowed a bike from a friend of ours, uh-huh. an '87 KX250, the real nice skinny one. Yeah. And that was an '88, and I remember I had all this different gear I threw together. I had a blue Team Tam pants and a <laughs> red helmet and a borrowed jersey and. Right. Uh, and I went out and raced the Winnipeg Arena Cross, and I remember I got uh, I got knocked down during one of the races, and I broke my wrist. Oh yeah, that's right, I remember that. Yeah, and wrist. that was fun. I mean, I remember that night was I was doing tricks off all the jumps, like it was just so much fun. Right. And it was you oh, broke your wrist though. Did it, did it bother you at all, or like later on? No, it's awesome now. I wouldn't even know I have ever broken a bone. Weird, huh? Yeah. I mean, I tried to race again after that, yeah. and it, I couldn't hang on anymore. Because so of the wrist? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it did jack you up for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I'd okay. forgotten about that, but I guess so. But to this day, I'm, right. I wouldn't even know my wrist had ever broke. So You did have an 88 YZ250 at one point, too. I think, yeah, I did. I must have trail rode that or something. Yeah. I never did, raced yeah, did it. Did you ever race it? I don't think so. No, I always, but I've always loved bikes. You've I, always had bikes, yeah. We started riding yeah. when we were five years old. Right. Right? We were but both. you started racing when you were nine. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, when we were five, I mean, we were riding all the time. So there's a lot of joy to be had in a motorcycle, you know? So you're okay. Here's, here's how I'll prove you wrong on your, on your dates for, for your age of fruit. You're telling me then you went from never racing. Okay. Never racing before to in two years, you should have won the 80 expert title in 82. I 80, was in my... 84, you're saying you should have won the 80 expert title. You had two DNFs. Correct. You start in 82. Yes. That, that makes no sense. In 1982, I barely, my best finish was a fourth at the last race of the year. At Austin, Manitoba, I never finished a moto. I couldn't even ride four oh, laps. It doesn't make any sense for you to make that. I know, then hold on. Then in 83, I stayed in 80B again. Yeah. And I got third or something. Yeah. In 84, I got second place by three points. So yes. you're telling me without going to California, without. Without getting involved. Oh, we're a local Canadian I, kids. No, we're but I'm, I'm making a joke. Yeah. But you, you're saying you improved that much. From 80B, getting third, to almost winning the 80. See, you're, you're off by a year or two. No, because in 85, I had brand new. Yeah, yeah. No, 85, you're, you're, in, you're big bikes now. We know yeah. that. That's yeah. not, you have the plaque. And, and I wanted a CR80. I didn't want a big bike. I could have rode 80s for two more years, I remember, back then. So you were on a 250, uh, you were 14. Yeah, I could hardly touch the ground. On an 85 YZ250 yeah. with duct tape on the tank. Yeah, we you did love... that to, pr- to, to protect the tank. We you ran love, red duct tape. You love duct tape on tanks. I, I, I know who thought of that. I don't know why we did that. I don't know where who the influence was on the duct tape. But lots, of, lots of the local Manitobans, the Honda guys would put tape on would their tank. Put blue duct tape on their tank. Red. Yeah. Yamaha yeah, guys put red. Yeah. Think yeah. about that. You're duct taping the bottom half of your tank. Brand new bike. Because we thought our knees would scratch it, I think. 
So all year, your bike looked ratty. <laughs> looked like with shit. With ripped duct tape. Right. Duct tape on your tank. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty bizarre. I do have that um, that crash photo of you at Austin. Where oh. you're, you have duct tape on your tank right there, I think. I probably do. And yeah. when, you were, when you were wearing Cooperalls, like rollerball. Yeah, Cooperalls. Yeah, we... Not every those weren't very popular. Do you remember? But. I tell the story, and I and I remember it as clear as day. And I don't know if you were there or not, but like we were at the arena cross with Holly and Rollerball and everybody sitting in the stands. We we're sitting in the stands. Yep. Holly was sitting in front of us like ten rows, and he, and he leaned back to somebody behind us and said, "Hey, where are the hookers in this town?" <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, me, yeah, me. Do you remember that? Me and my buddy Steve were sitting there. Yeah, I was there too. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, no, that's a common. Where are the hookers in this town? They're like Jim Holly. I'm 15. I have no idea. Well, yeah. I don't know if he was asking us. I don't think he was asking us. Maybe he was. Maybe, I don't know. I thought it was like somebody you know else, but no. I remember thinking like Jim Holly's asking where the hookers are. Why would he ask that? I don't know. He's yeah. got a race with rollerball yeah. coming up. There's no possible way. No, we were lucky. Like back in the, Winnipeg, for some reason, had had this connection where we could have some of these pretty good riders. I mean, we had uh, Jeff Hicks come up and Larry Brooks when he was young, but all yeah. these guys we saw in the magazines. And then somehow, how did our family get involved? Where I know at one point we had Marty Smith at yeah. our house and we had Gary Semix at our place. Yeah, and, and we, we took him riding. Friends of that. Like, we, we took him riding. Gary Denton. I took Gary Denton riding. Yeah. Like, how does this happen? Like, I don't know. Somehow the club the club said, okay, Matt, this is you have to pick them up from the airport or something. Or I don't know. I have no idea. You're right, though. I you, ended you up with the quad the... god on, to Wilkes Boulevard, Wilkes, a local yeah. track. And right. wa- <laughs> I was I, there. Yeah. I had a jumping contest with him. It was fantastic. Yeah, like, very we bizarre. Just, yeah. Um, and you became friends with Marty Smith and I Semex still see Semex and Marty to this day. So and strange. They ask Gary. He's always like, how's your mom and dad? And uh, every time I'm like, they're divorced, Gary. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every time. Um, but uh, And then, yeah, I see Marty all the time, too. It's so bizarre. Yeah. yeah. It's like another deal. Yeah. Um, do you have a rollerball story? I do. Uh, yeah. I mean, I uh, I really enjoyed watching rollerball race, and we, we admired him because he would just demolish people with doing six motos in a day. He would yeah. win all six, and you couldn't help but be in awe of watching this guy. And uh, you'd see him once a year. He'd come in the box van and annihilate the locals and, yeah. and, and the traveling circus that came with them. And uh, I think my favorite rollerball story was in 87 – when I was racing a Minneapolis arena cross and uh, I guess Ross and dad and me and you were starting to get recognizable t- to him. And well, uh, I wasn't there that weekend. You weren't there? No, then? no, no. I was okay. not there. Yeah. So you were, yeah. Uh, you're Dean Matson. I did not witness your Dean uh, Matson. Okay. Yeah. So I, there we go. I, I ride the race of my life. Never again to achieve that speed. And uh, so after the qualifier, I'm, I'm sitting on my bike and Pedersen comes up and starts talking to me and, he asks me how he looks on the bike and how his suspension looks. Wow. And I look behind me like, oh, yeah. who is he talking to? Yeah, dad's told me this you story, know? right. Yeah, like I said, uh, I think I said something like, you're Ross Patterson. You look great out there. Right, well, right. Why, what yeah. do you need, Ross? You feeling a little low on your self-esteem? Holy crap, man. Like, <laughs> I guess maybe he was the only guys we recognized or right, the only yeah, guys he, from Manitoba he or hadn't gotten right. a fight with or something. Right. You know, but also I remember... You must have raced, and we were there that weekend in Saskatoon, somewhere in Saskatchewan, in Canada, where there's a stadium cross race, and Ross won the one night. Oh, he got beat up, yeah. And he no. got beat up in a that's, bar that's that on night. That's on YouTube. My victory is on YouTube. But that was, okay. Well, that, was saying, that was the next night, the next day, when I beat Blair Morgan. And he never showed up he that ne- day, because yeah, he, he was in the hospital. Right. 
Yeah, so I mean, I don't think that's a, a great well, Ross Patterson story, well, but yeah, uh, still probably beat the whole bar up. <laughs> um, um, the Iron Man. Yeah. So Ross asked you how his bike was. That's that's your Ross story. Yeah. I mean, that's right. not super no, no, exciting. No. It's a little surprising because you looked no, at funny. someone in, yeah. in awe like that. You know, it's a good but, story. Uh, it's interesting to see where Ross has gone. You know, like a lot of uh, when you're young, you want you'd love to be a motocross champion, whether it's locally and mm-hmm. then uh, maybe Canadian or you try to you know ultimately you know American or world champ or something. And then you see guys like Ross who won. 42 or 50 championships and he's working on the pipeline in in northern alberta where they're mining all the oil right now and uh kind of a down wow struggles in his life though yeah like you know had he not had those struggles i think he'd be financially better off but yeah yeah yeah. but it's one of these things where i mean motocross you have to be you know be careful what you wish for a lot of these former guides you could go through the old magazines where are they now and you know, once there was 50,000 people cheering for you. Jail, rehab, <laughs> jail, rehab, re- rehab, jail. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're working at the Superstar Car Wash with the MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice, you know. Um, like, uh, your, uh, your favorite podcast I've done. Your, my, I like Paul Feed. I liked uh, Rich Taylor. You know those ones, Rich yeah. Taylor. I love the technical stuff. Right. Like, I'm the kind of guy where... You know, I was so excited to get Boyson ports put in my motor and right. to deck the cylinder 25,000s, you know. So to hear about, you know, Rich Taylor stories, which are tremendous, I, I love those. And yeah, Paul it seems Feed's like he's got technical. it for days. seems like he can go for hours. Oh, <laughs> you, you, it should be a Rich Taylor podcast-a-thon, you right, know, going right. for six hours at a time. And so I love, you know, that uh, Yeah, it only, took him, it only took him three years to do the second one. It didn't seem that long, but... Uh, yeah, three yeah. years. I was like, Jesus, Rich. And he's just... Like, yeah, sorry, man. He must have been one year <laughs> within your first 10 or 20 podcasts. You did, I guess. No, then, no, cause... no. I started these and I started podcasting in uh, 2007. Mm-hmm. And he was in 2009. Okay. What were so, you using when you first started podcasting? I mean, now the, we're the, sitting in your place here and you got all this fancy uh, high end stuff. What was the first rendition of this? The first podcast had uh, this very program running right now. Okay. So I've always had this. This isn't even made anymore. What's this called? Continued podcast station. This is the software. Okay. Um, but uh, I had about uh, sixty dollars in Radio Shack stuff. Okay. I had a little phone recorder going in between the phone line and a handset. Oh. Okay. And it, w- it would branch off to a third that would go into the microphone port on a computer. So that's how it went from the phone line into the computer straight, and I would hold the receiver up. <laughs> and that was it. And that's it. And, and when that you, was for a year or two of that. And when you interviewed these guys, would you have a script? Like, do you normally have questions planned? Yeah, just like I have questions or? right here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, all the time. You know, I would make questions or whatever. But so, so Rich Taylor or Paul Feed? Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah, no, those are things like I would. Uh, you know, I I often have these crazy ideas for your podcast and stuff like this. And uh, yeah, I think you know. I, I would love to hear more more technical stuff on on the pulpcast. You know, like you could almost have a, a have a a specialized guy every once in a while that could talk real tech. Like have a guy like you know Shane Drew from Honda talk about what Honda does to evolve suspension or to right. test su- suspension or what things they've been successful at and have failed at with with. Oh, but that is those guys don't want know? to tell you much. You know, okay, they don't want to spill their. They're not secrets, but they're secrets to those guys. Okay. So a lot of times okay. they don't want to, you know, they'll speak in general terms, but they're not going to say like, you know, oh, Barsha yeah. didn't like when we pulled, when we raked it in a little bit, or they just won't tell you. you Even know? like if the stories from, you know, five years ago kind of thing, it's still kind of, 
close to the chest. Uh, yeah, close. still close to the chest for sure. Honda kind of owns all that stuff when you sign up with them. You know what I mean? All okay. the technology you learn at Honda stays with Honda, okay. technically-wise, on your contract anyway. So, um, But, no, I got what you're saying. Just just change is maybe a bad example, but I got what you're saying. You, yeah. get, you get a guy. Ross Maeda had good ones, too. Oh, he was he's one of my top ones, too. Yeah. You know, um, anyone, you know, you you know, you could probably get into it with, with, uh, Mitch Payton as well, or, yeah, you know, yeah, Donnie yeah. Amler. Have you done Donnie Amler again? I haven't. No. Need okay. to. Yeah, yeah, definitely need to. Hard guy to pin down. Roy Turner was good. Yeah. Um, a lot of these older, the guys that are, became managers. Yeah. They have great. Dave Arnold. Ma- Dave Arnold was two fantastic. Dave Arnold yeah, yeah. You listen to his stuff for a long yeah, time. Yeah, so all the ones interesting, all the ones you named, except for Rich, are all not riders. Yeah. Just those are the ones that you like. Yeah, mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Anything else? What else? No, uh, I don't know. Wonder if there's anything. Do you feel uh, like I should have become a truck driver? Do you feel like this career know. choice, uh, you, mom's choice of being a truck driver? I do like to drive. She said. You're you're a very good driver, Stephen. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you you do like to drive. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sorry, mom. I didn't become a long haul truck driver. But yeah, you could have. You know, you probably had the same food as a truck driver. You know, Over the, the oh years. yeah 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 right right yeah, good know, point. At the truck I, stops. I did feel like the I mean I drove the whole circuit for about six or seven years, five or six years anyway. Yeah yeah. The whole AMA outdoors and Supercross. So in a way I was a truck. You driver. You were a truck driver that had a had a dirt bike that, in the yeah, back. That had, you know? had a job to do once he got to the place where he had to you know, do. Yeah. So. But you know I like one of the one of the stories that we you and I were talking about today that uh, was fun that I I got to hang out with you back in the days of when McGrath. When the Las Vegas Supercross, when this had just started, you know, yeah. and this was the day of, of Yamaha and he had blue hair and this was maybe SMP. That would have been 98, yeah. People had big hooped earrings and purple well, I, hair. I had hooped earrings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I had bleach hair. The circuit with everybody, it was right. a pretty cool time, you know, right. like there was a lot of stuff happening then. And yeah, Fournette had um, LBZ leopard shirts he wore all the time. Exactly. Yes, he loved those things. Velour shirts yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah everyone's wearing that kind of, you know. That was, that was, you know, those were fun parties, you know, seeing, you know, your heroes at, at the bars. and I don't remember any of this. I took you to, we went to some bars and stuff. I, after Fro won, Frenette and I went to Fro's suite at the MGM, and we were standing right there when that hot dog photo was taken. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, were, I, we were with Swink and Phil Lawrence. I could probably tell you I was there, and you wouldn't remember, but no, I wasn't there. Yeah, I remember that, but I don't remember, that you were talking 98. It was, we were, we're, okay. Carmichael. Yeah. Was on a KX one. Yeah, ninety eight. No, same year as you were at Honda with me that year. Okay, and, yeah. And and I, I can remember watching Carmichael, and he was whipping it so hard over the jumps on the one twenty five. All the guys from the two fifties were standing on the track watching him. It was unbelievable. But again, your favorite race is one in Manitoba when you were a kid. Uh, well, it's on the spot. I'll have to. I'll have to figure this out. But this, I'll go down Again, in history no. for this. I just but, told uh, you that. And your favorite race is Portis of Prairie. Portis of Prairie. Watching Donnie Gill, right. and Brian Junkie. You know? Right, right. Yeah. But Carmichael whipping it at Vegas. Uh, nah, nah, nah. Uh, nah. He's, he's got nothing on the right, local guys. Right, right, right. Watching, watching Brian End do a double jump at Portis of Prairie. Right. You know. Um. <laughs> did you? Do you have a favorite race ever for yourself? Maybe that one. Maybe the um, the Minneapolis one. Minneapolis was good. Yeah. I had an expert race where I ran second for quite a while before brain fade and ended up DNFing. But I never achieved any kind of fantastic races. Right. I mean, when I rode 80s and juniors, I won a lot of motos, and a lot right. of races, and that was always very gratifying. It was always super. I can remember winning my first ever moto. I mean, that was just right. Mount Nebo, Manitoba, 
won a yeah. moto, and it was just a fantastic feeling, and uh, I'll never forget that. Um, but dicing, you know, the races I have nowadays with, with the guys, the old-timers, those are always fun. I right. mean, I had a fantastic race uh, last race of the year. I had a chance to uh, almost T-bone an old racer friend of ours that uh, you raced with for many years. And uh, oh, it's okay. No, I just wanted you to look at him uh, as he was falling. He was falling off the couch. Watching the dogs fall off the couch, right? And not right. get back on again, right? right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Tubby, <laughs> Tubby, Rocky. I think I can. You know, if I take these dogs anywhere, I can put a handicap uh, parking sticker around their collar or something. Get special access, right? Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So you know, you appreciate racing a little more nowadays. I appreciate it, and you know what happened? Happened uh, being a little bit older and being in, in charge of uh, what you want to do to your bikes, like I. You know, this may sound funny to some people, but, you know, running race gas now, that's something you and I never had as a kid, you know, and now that, you know, you run your own bikes, you get to hear smell, you know, that sweet smell of race gas when you're, when you're going riding and, and having that sound of the bike starting up on a Sunday morning and smelling the exhaust. And mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know, just uh, so great to be involved in it, you know? Well, that's good. Hopefully you don't give it up. Well, hopefully not. I'm liking it now. And, uh, I get a couple pair of X-Brown goggles every year, so I hope that, you know. I gave you four. Like, I gave you five pairs last year. You gave yeah, them all away. I gave them all. I right. got one yeah. pair left. Right, yeah, so don't blame me. I like, like to spread the love, you know. I gave like, you five pairs. I, um, I know. Hey, if anybody wants a pair of goggles, I'll probably give you a pair. Right. Then I have none. But uh, Well, hey, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Uh, it's almost been an hour, so see how fast well, that goes? It is very fast, right. yeah. That's what I mean. Thanks for Every, Everybody help. always says that. Whenever you get to talking, you're like, oh, has it been that long? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll do these podcasts with these riders, and they'll be like, hey, I got 45 minutes, and I'll be like, okay. And then at 45 minutes, I'll be like, hey, do you have to go? It's like 45 minutes. No. So, no. Yeah. I keep talking. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. All right. We got lots to talk you about. Never, you never end up, no, you never, you lose track of time a little bit. So, even someone like me who has really nothing to say, you know, can chat for an hour. 56 minutes of, of shit to say. 56 right. minutes of, of meaningless um, drivel. All right. Well, hey, uh, thanks, Debbie, if you're listening. <laughs> thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. And uh, all right, this has been the Pulpamex Pro Circuit Pulpcast with my brother, Jason Mathis. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Good day.